0: episode 773 if you're a hardcore packers fan this episode is for you our interview examines all the packers controlled free agents which are which are staying and which might leave we'll ask ross uglum of scout.com it's all coming up on railbird central next Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're discussing the Packers' controlled free agents to do that, we have a guest joining us on the line today.
1: Baltar, find
0: me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Ross Uglum of scout.com, packerstalk.com, and even here at cheeseheadtv.com. Mr. Uglum, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me on.
0: You bet. Did did I leave out any uh, uh, sites you write for there? No, no one, no further affiliations. (laughs) Okay, very good. You have a growing list. Uh, We have a theme for today's episode, talking about all the Packers controlled free agents. That means the restricted free agents and the exclusive rights free agents. so, sorry folks, we're not talking about the big names today, but this is the the podcast for the hardcore Packers fan who wants to know about these things. So Ross, let's we're gonna go through all nine of these guys one at a time here, and we'll start with maybe the toughest decision the Packers have with linebacker J. Ron Elliott. He's one of only two restricted free agents. And the Packers have to choose whether they might put a tender on him, which would cost them a salary of one point eight million dollars. Kind of a lot for a guy whose contributions have been kind of modest, I would say uh, versus you know not giving him a tender but still trying to resign him. What do you think about Elliott and what the Packers might do with him?
1: Well, it's a difficult one. I mean everybody remembers that game at home against the Seahawks not this year but the the year prior where he was just a revelation. Um, people have seen him rush the passer in the preseason. I still think he's a guy that deserves more snaps on defense, but for whatever reason, whether it's practice, production, whatever it is, uh, doesn't seem to be able to really uh, break that lineup. And so you look at the possibility of saving $1.1 $1. 1 million about if you release him outright, and you just wonder. Um, there's a lot of guys from the Ted Thompson tree that love to pick up ex-packers i mean eric walden look what he made and and i think that J-, J-, J ron elliott is is probably even still a better player than than eric walden so if you do not offer the tender what are the chances that someone comes at him with you know uh two million dollars three million dollar offer and and you lose uh, a pass rusher potentially in an off season where you have a a very good chance of You know, Julius Peppers retiring or at least not being part of the program moving forward, you have a chance to lose Nick Perry as well. So I personally would place some sort of tender on on Elliott just because I still like his upside.
0: Yeah, I I think I tend to agree. He would be the one guy you would consider doing that with this year. Um, I think it's worth it just to keep him, and a guy that you hope will have even bigger production down the road. The only other restricted free agent the Packers have is a fellow linebacker, all oh, this guy plays on the inside, Jordan Tripp. The Packers signed him at midseason this past year. Uh, Ross, I, I I don't know about you, I don't think the Packers would place a tender on him, but I guess the question is, do you try to re him regardless as, as a special teams kind of guy?
1: I mean, I think it has a lot to do with what you end up uh, doing in the draft and and in undrafted free agency. Uh, The Packers have shown that they don't place a lot of value on the inside linebacker position, whether or not that that's something that's going to change. We'll see. I think both teams in the Super Bowl had pretty highly drafted um, linebackers, good players. Um, you, you talk about the the young kid from LSU that played for Atlanta. You talk about Dante Hightower, of course, for New England, and there are some high end inside linebackers, and that would just slide everybody kind of down a peg because you know Joe Thomas is sort of a one down player. Uh, Blake Martinez, we don't really know who that is. Uh, I think Jake Ryan could really flourish as kind of the second best linebacker in an inside group at a three four. So if you get somebody at the top, uh, a, a first or a second round pick. Then you you end up kind of sliding everybody down a peg, and while well, that slides Jordan Tripp completely off the roster, but if they you know continue to treat it as a marginalized position, which is you know kind of fine, um, then you've got a situation where you're probably taking in other undrafted guys or maybe a fifth or a sixth round pick to compete with Jordan Tripp. So uh, I, I don't really place a whole lot of, of value on on bringing in. Jordan Tripp, uh, if, he, if he's part of camp, great. If he's not, it's, it's, it's really no big deal.
0: All right, so that concludes the section on the restricted free agents. We move to the exclusive rights free agents, all of whom have less than three years of playing time. So guys who only had a year or two of service, basically. Uh, And we're talking about another linebacker here, Ross, Joe Thomas of all the teams controlled free agents. This is the one who saw the most playing time this year. I got to think the Packers, you know, give him the exclusive rights offer, I guess, which which is pretty much just a a minimum salary. But obviously, I would think you bring him back,
1: right? Yeah, there's no reason not to. I think even if you believe that that can be upgraded, even if you believe that, Blake Martinez will eventually be a better dime linebacker. You still bring in Joe Thomas because of what he can do on special teams and because right now he's part of your dime package. I mean, he's the dime linebacker. He is okay depth, uh, maybe not as a third inside linebacker as he was this last season, but maybe as a fourth inside linebacker, it wouldn't be so bad. He just has such a tendency with his size to get swallowed up in the run game that uh, it's 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 difficult to have him be the top backup at both spots but um I really like him and his potential at at a controlled cost of basically the the uh, veteran minimum
0: all right uh, another exclusive rights free agent and the last defensive player we'll talk about defensive lineman Christian Ringo guy who you know made his debut this past year only made a modest contribution uh, I guess Ross we we have to decide is he just a marginal player or is he just a guy who hasn't got his opportunity yet I'm not really sure about Christian Ringo
1: yeah I think with cornerbacks and defensive linemen I kind of and even wide receivers to an extent I kind of have a three-year clock on those guys from when they come into the league Uh, some positions are easy to pick up inside linebackers you see rookies Uh, play really well right away tons of rookie running backs running backs excuse me play um, very well rookie offensive linemen seem to be able to contribute but there are other uh, positions that have maybe a little bit more nuance or just a little bit more uh, physicality that you need to understand to be an effective player and I think defensive line is one of those you really look at second and third year jumps uh, for defensive linemen up and down the board, whether they're top 10 picks or fifth-round, sixth-round sixth picks like Ringo was. So I would like to at least get get a camp look at Christian Ringo in his third year because he was a Ted Thompson draft pick, and there is a little bit of value in that. And, you know, you mentioned exclusive rights. You'll be right around the league minimum. Give him another shot. Uh, I, I like diversity across the offensive line as well. Um, they, they've finally added that that uh, taller body in, in uh, Dean Lowry. They've got the you know, kind of the, the squattier nose tackle and Kenny Clark, the short pass rusher and Mike Daniels and Christian Ringo's another short pass rusher and that bring, you know, their ability to bring different things from the interior in a pass rush game is important. And I think Ringo deserves one more, one more shot to kind of stick around and see, see what that year three jump looks like.
0: We're talking to Ross Uglum of Scout.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. All right, Ross, let's move to the offensive players here, and we'll start with wide receiver Jeronimo Allison. To me, he's probably the biggest no-brainer of the group in terms of giving him that exclusive uh, free agent, exclusive rights offer, I guess, to bring him back. He had a good rookie season. Wouldn't you agree?
1: For sure, and and I I mean, I think that is a no-brainer. I think you're exactly right. Um, uh, I just mentioned diversity across the defensive line diversity in a wide receiver group is great too. Uh, you, you've got your standard size guy uh, that can play outside and can play a little slot and Devonte Adams, Jordy Nelson as he ages will probably move into the slot. And then you've got your, you know, your jitterbug type guys when Ty Montgomery's in the slot, certainly Randall Cobb is in the slot, but the, uh, the big guys, uh, the, the, the power forwards, uh, I uh, was certain Mike Lombardi who was, a um, Mike Lombardi was, I think, with the Browns for a time and, and has either been an analyst or working for a team over the last 10 years. He always compared a wide receiver group to a basketball team. And uh, Randall Cobb would be like the point guard type. And and uh, <laughs> Devontae Adams is a wing. Well, Geronimo Allison is a power forward, and, and they don't have a whole lot of those. In fact, they haven't really used one to great effect uh, really since Ravel Martin, who was – Maybe not a great player, but certainly offered something different uh, to those like 06, 07, 08 Packers teams. And they don't really use Geronimo Allison like that. Like You didn't see a ton of fades. You didn't see uh, a ton of jump balls in the end zone or, you know, kind of box out routes. But with his frame, he at least gives you you the ability to uh, stretch some defenses lengthwise.
0: Yeah, you got to think that maybe within just due time, those kind of things are coming for him as a a rookie who's still learning the ropes. And uh, the the more rapport he builds with Aaron Rodgers, maybe that'll come. All right, uh, running back, uh, let's start with Don Jackson. He ended the year on injured reserve. I don't know, does that kind of make you concerned at all that the Packers might shy away from re-signing him? I, I don't think that would you know, necessarily concern me. It wasn't something big, but I don't know.
1: No, I mean, he's, he kind of is what he is. Um, I, I think, you know, the next guy we'll probably talk about here is John Crockett. And I, I think if Crockett hadn't hurt his shoulder in preseason, I, I don't, I'm not so sure Don Jackson would have ever been uh, a part of things there. He was probably of the guys that were going for the, the roster between Crockett Brandon Burks and Don Jackson. To me, I felt like Don Jackson was the least impressive. Um, that's just my personal opinion on the matter. But he was just kind of a guy. I, I felt like, and and if they need a camp running back, if they need um, a fifth or, or a sixth back in camp, and it's and it's uh, Don Jackson, that's fine. I have no problem with that whatsoever.
0: All right, uh, you said it. The, the next guy we're talking about, John Crockett, and certainly a guy you know fairly intimately because for the, those of our listeners that don't know, Ross covers North Dakota state for scout.com. And that's uh John Crockett's alma mater. Uh, so uh, what do you think Crockett's future with the Packer is now entering year number
1: three? Well, I mean, I think they made their, their uh, intentions pretty clear when he wasn't released with an injury settlement. I think Rob Zamovsky had, they tweeted that that was coming. It never came. They kept John around all year. They kept him as part of the program. I really thought he was a draftable player. I mean, yeah, there's some admitted bias. I know, John, I had a chance to go up to Green Bay and actually um, sit in on practice and interview him in the locker room, which was a cool experience for me. I mean, you know I've been writing about the Packers for longer than I've even been writing about North Dakota State, so that was all uh, a whole lot of fun. But he just talked about really wanting to take that step from being part of the team in year one It's a part of the offense in year two. And, you know, Starks and Lacey went out there in, in camp with, um, with Rogers, but anytime Brett Hundley came in the game or came into camp, came into practice, uh, John Crockett would follow him out there. I mean, he was the team's third back all camp. uh, And and I think if he would have stayed healthy, he had a chance to be that as well. So right now I really think you look at the two running backs that are on the roster that really have game experience and and are kinda gonna be part of part of things is Ty Montgomery and John Crockett. They bring different things. But I definitely think you bring Crockett back or you wouldn't have kept him on injured reserve, uh, because, you know, that was week three of the preseason. If if they wouldn't want him around, they would have just cut him. So I, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if if John was not uh not available to, to the Packers for the start of camp.
0: I, I feel the same way. I, I know Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. He said he doesn't anticipate the Packers re-signing them. I don't know where he's getting that from or a source, because I, I, I don't think there's any hurt in bringing him back. With with any of these guys, if you want to cut them, you, there's not going to be any guaranteed money. You can cut them a month down the road if you want. So. I don't see the hurt and bring him back, but uh, let's move on here, Ross, to uh, the fullback Joe Carriage. So the guys blocking for the halfbacks, uh, Joe Carriage, really played a handful of snaps on offense. Probably his bigger contributions were on special teams. Do the Packers bring him back?
1: I, I don't know. I think that it probably had a little bit to do with just the the health of the fullback slash linebacker slash tight end special teams group that body type. I know it sounds weird because they're on different sides of the ball, but really that is a special teams body type and your third and fourth guys on those depth charts are really going to be you know, more worried about teams and the Packers just ran out of running backs to be a part of teams and they're pretty thin and inside linebacker as well. So if you're looking for someone who's 6'3", 240 to play teams, uh, you're potentially looking at a fullback and that's Joe Carriage. I just think in this day and age and the way that the Packers like to run their offense, I, I, I think that carrying two fullbacks is unlikely and maybe they bring carriage back as the um you know the the second camp fullback i believe they had squirewell in there last year as a second camp fullback and just somebody to take a look at but Rupkowski, uh you know the fumble in the nfc championship game aside is a good young player and somebody who's cost controlled for at least two more seasons here and and so i just i don't see carriage really having a chance to make the active roster going forward so uh you know if he comes back it's probably just going to be you know as a camp body as as a second fullback
0: yeah i I guess you do probably resign him just i mean because you need the insurance policy too i mean if aaron ripkowski were for some reason to get injured you you want that guy if Uh, We hope that doesn't happen, but uh, you never know when it does. Uh, But anyway, here, Ross, finally, uh, the last guy on the list, special teams, punter Jacob Schum. He had an all right season with the Green Bay Packers. I think it got better as the season went along. Uh, Do the Packers just bring him back for another go around?
1: Yeah. I mean, if he's comfortable with the uh, party, you have to remember to his comfort level as a holder. That's a big deal because Mason Crosby is one of the, you know, I don't know, I wouldn't say stars of the team, but he's one of the uh, real cornerstones of the organization. And after those two kicks in Dallas, I think is basically above reproach at this point. I mean that you, it's, it's Mason Crosby's job as long as he wants it. And if he likes Jacob Shum as a punter, and you aren't going to make a significant upgrade like in a free agent signing, or if you really love somebody coming out of the draft, you know, I think kind of one league minimum punter is about the same as another league minimum punter, so at that point uh if if Crosby and uh, Gould like Shum as part of their field goal unit, and he's a, a passable punter, which I felt like he was, yeah, bring him back i I'm, I'm totally fine with that.
0: Well, that, that does it as far as getting through all nine of the Packers controlled free agents, Ross here, b- before we let you go, you, you, I understand you're part of the cheesehead TV draft guide again. Are you working on that? And when's it come out?
1: Yeah, I've got, um, I've got right now, I've got the defensive lineman and this of course is, you know, as green Bay's base defense would go. So I'm going to be covering nose tackles and five techniques and then uh, edge defenders, which would be three, four outside linebackers. So I, I do a little bit of work with the guy who uh, is is doing inside linebackers, as to you know where we think some of these like six three, two hundred and forty pound kids would would end up playing because you you got to rank them somewhere. You never know kind of where they're going to be released. But I, I do believe that the draft guide is going to be published on April third this year, which will give everybody about a month to uh, kind of dive in and get ready for the draft at the end. Um, so I think that's the, that's the deal on the draft guide, but I'll be doing those two positions and kind of the Packers positional analysis, which would be a long way of saying that I'll sort of be discussing the team needs.
0: Very cool. Uh, Ross, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me this morning. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Keep up the good work at all your outlets. And, uh, thanks for some hardcore Packers talk this morning. Thank you, Brian. All right. Take care. Ross Uglum of PackersTalk.com, Scout.com, CheeseheadTV.com, joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Well, I'll tell you, Vince, or I'll try to in our Packers news segment, and I really don't have much in terms of Packers news that's been going on the past few days. We're in the dead part of the offseason, but things do pick up pretty soon. Next week is the NFL Combine already, so getting ready for that and, and following that in short order by free agency, so there will be a lot more to talk about. So instead of some Packers news, though, what I've got is once again soliciting uh, listener questions out there uh, that they have about the Green Bay Packers. So we'll do that here for a few moments. And question from Robert Stempsky on Twitter. That's username Bob Bruce. Does Teddy flip the switch and sign a real player? Jared Cook is already proven to be re-signable and will be in the fold. Do the Packers get an inside linebacker? Thanks, Robert, for asking that question. I know Robert is always part of our live blog group uh, during the show that airs uh, live at cheeseheadtv.com at 8.30 a.m. You know, I I think Ted Thompson is going to approach free agency like he has pretty much every year. Um, You know, he goes out and signs an average of one Free agent a year, basically. Uh, sometimes it it was a little bit more back in, you know. Everybody knows way back it was what 2007 when the Packers signed Charles Woodson and Ryan Pickett and Markon Manuel all in one free agent class. And of course, Charles Woodson being a very big name, uh, nobody's really approached that since that time. But well, Julius Peppers comes close. But you know, some years it's it's lesser players like Jeff Saturday, uh, like um, Cedric Benson, like Seneca Wallace. You know, I think the Packers go out and sign somebody, and and, but it's going to—they're not going to get involved in in the big time free agency. That doesn't mean they can't get a good player. They—I'm just saying—they're probably going to sit out that first wave of free agency. Let all the. Uh, let every other team throw the stupid money out there, but then you could still possibly get a good guy out there like the caliber of Jared Cook, who wasn't part of the first wave of free agency. You could argue he wasn't even part of the second wave of free agency. You know, they gave him a modest contract amount of, you you know, uh, I think his contract, what was it? $2.7 million dollars. So maybe they sign a player in that range kind of, again. And yet you could certainly argue that maybe Cook outplayed that contract and, and might even sign for a little bit more this time. We'll see how that happens. I, I think they'll, they'll bring him back. And, you know, I think that's where the majority of the Packers' money is going to be earmarked for is re-signing their own free agents. They're going to give big-time money to a guy like Nick Perry Who's going to take up the the biggest chunk of their remaining salary cap space? Uh, but apart from him, they could re-sign other guys like offensive lineman TJ Lang, uh, like cornerback Micah Hyde, cornerback/safety Micah Hyde, um, like running back Eddie Lacy. Uh, all these guys, uh, I'm not guaranteeing every single one of them is going to be back, but um, you know, once they get through their own free agents, a lot of that salary cap space is going to be gone. So I don't think they're going to sign a, a big name free agent and un- unless it's one that slips through the cr- cracks, like, like a Charles Woodson did, uh, like a Julius Peppers did. Uh, it, it's possible. I'm not going to rule it out. Uh, you just, the, these things, they, they seem to come out of nowhere. We all remember the Julius Pepper signing nobody saw it coming nobody reported on that before it happened it caught us all by surprise so i can't sit here and you know point out a single player that i think is going to surprise us all that the packers signed it it very well could happen uh but yeah it's it's going to catch us all by surprise if it does perhaps and and uh we'll see who that player is and and you know it, it may come into view a little bit more clearly, you know. Once that the the first wave, the second wave goes, and and then you start to see who's left and who might fit the Packers, it, you know. Because we saw the warning signs with Jared Cook. Certainly, uh, you kind of wondered the days ahead of time and the Packers. You know, with with some guys, they bring them in to work them out ahead of time, and uh, they put them through the physical and make sure all those kind of things get all their ducks in a row, just to make sure they don't have any. Pre-existing conditions or anything Like that so that could happen As well those are things we're going to find out At the start of free agency so We'll see how it uh, Plays out and uh, Yeah Uh, Another question from Adam Huddle on Twitter that's Username Huddle A12 He asks What should Green Bay do at running Back resign Lacey or Pick a new back in the draft And what type of back do you think fits the offense best? A lot of questions there, Adam. Um, I would say I certainly wouldn't rule out the possibility of the Packers both re-signing Eddie Lacy and picking a new back in the draft. They could do both for sure, especially considering that right now as things stand, the only halfback on the roster is Ty Montgomery under contract for 2017. Now, that could change in a moment's notice if they re-sign the guys we just talked about at the beginning of the show, like Don Jackson, like John Crockett. All of a sudden, they've got a little bit of depth then, and then they could re-sign Eddie Lacy. But, you know, it's no guarantee the Packers re-sign Eddie Lacy. And if they don't, if they certainly if the case, if they don't, if the Packers don't resign Lacey, they're going to have to get another big back um, because I, I just think you need a big power back on your roster. It doesn't have to be filled with that kind of back. But when you play in a climate like the Green Bay Packers play where it gets cold during the winter. You need that power back on the roster. So it becomes imperative if Lacey is not re-signed. If he does, uh, they still could do another one uh, at at some point in the draft or undrafted free agency. It becomes less of a priority and less of a concern. But, you know, there's there's a couple guys I, I know I really like in the middle rounds of the draft that, you know, aren't going to be the first running backs off the board but there's a couple really big running backs I like probably the best of all of them would be Jamal Williams from BYU and again I'm talking about the mid-round backs here Um, you know I would love uh, Delvin Cook to be in Green Bay but he's gonna come off the board in the first round and I don't think the Packers necessarily invest into a guy like him in the first round It'd be interesting if he was still on the board, actually, when the Packers picked. He would be tough to pass up. I don't think he'll be on the board. Uh, But, you know, if we're talking middle rounds here, a guy like Jamal Williams of BYU, a guy like Corey Clement, actually, of Wisconsin, I like him as well. There are other guys I like, too. Uh, Well, you know, uh, we can get more into that as the draft gets closer here. Um, it it is kind of interesting in that it, Adam also asked, what type of back do you think fits the offense the best? I don't know if in, in my own personal opinion, if there's any back that fits the offense the best, I, I just think you need the most talented player, whether it's a power back or a smaller size running back. And what's interesting is that for, for a real long time, you know, it seems to be Ted Thompson's prerogative, and I'm not sure if this really comes from Mike McCarthy or not, whether, you know, this is telling Mike McCarthy telling Ted Thompson what kind of running backs he likes to go get him. Uh, but the Packers really, for their feature back, have really concentrated on power backs over the years, even prior to Eddie Lacey. Uh, Some of the best backs that have kind of carried the load have been like um, uh, Ryan Grant, um, have been uh, Amon Green. These are power kind of guys who certainly some of them had some speed, but these are guys who could run through tackles and things like that and were not afraid to lower a shoulder. These guys really brought it, when when, and, and they were probably, you know, lacy grant amon green probably the three best backs of the the ted thompson era uh in green bay i would say um and and they've really kind of not that they've necessarily excluded them uh, but they've shied away from smaller backs and it's actually a topic I know uh, Bob McGinn of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel has talked about fairly recently in one of his columns. I believe published the week before the Super Bowl, he kind of looked at the team that beat the Green Bay Packers, like the uh, uh, the, uh, the, the the Atlanta Falcons, and, and looked at a back like Devontae Freeman. Is like, why are the Packers you, you know shying away from these small backs that can be so effective? Uh, like Freeman in, in the NFL. And, and you can say there, and well, they had Dewan Harris. Uh, I'll tell you what, Dewan Harris was certainly, as far as running backs go, pretty small, but he was about as jacked up as you can be at his size. <laughs> Dewan Harris was, was really built for a small frame guy. He got, you could tell, he just hit the weight room really hard and he maximized every. Muscle on his body pushing it to the limit uh, So he was almost a, a power back in his small backs body. It, it seemed like um, So, you know, I I don't think the Packers again here They they don't need to really look at one type of back You just need whoever is the most talented guy should be getting the majority of the carries Now you can't have just one guy get all the carries he can't be carrying the ball 90% of the time they backs get beat up doing that you, you know you need two guys to share the load in the NFL you need one guy to be the primary back but you need another guy to uh you, you know take the load off of him uh to be that change of pace and the packers could have that with with Eddie Lacy and Ty Montgomery i think that could be a very good tandem it could be a, a rookie in Ty Montgomery if they decide to go that route. Um, and we'll see what they have in, you know, with Don Jackson and John Crockett, uh, who will be another year older this year. Uh, maybe not the feature backs for the Green Bay Packers, but part of the rotation. So there you go. There's some thoughts on the running back position in Green Bay. <laughs> that leads us to
1: the day ahead.
0: All right. Uh, not Wednesday, but on Thursday, February 23rd, Green Bay Packers coach Darren Perry will have a hearing in Brown County Circuit Court at 1 o'clock p.m. local time. And uh, this this goes back here. Perry was charged with OWI after a traffic stop on December 17th, for making an unsafe lane change and refusing to take a breathalyzer test. This is old news. We talked about this way back in December when it happened. It's just that now his hearing in court has finally arrived. Prosecutors also added a charge of operating with prohibited alcohol concentration. All this, according to the Associated Press, although they really didn't go in depth. I wonder if that last charge is because of his previous previous DUI charges, at least three of them, according to Bob McGinn of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He actually tried to elude an officer back in 2006. Um, I, I hope Darren Perry gets the help he needs, because I certainly don't know him, but every time I see him speak, you know, in a press conference or stuff like that. I'm left with a positive impression. Uh and and the job he's done throughout his career with the Packers, with safeties like Nick Collins, Charlie Pepra, Morgan Burnett, ha ha Clinton Dix, that's all been commendable. So so I'm not gonna sit here and say, I hope he's either innocent or I hope he's guilty I just hope Darren Perry gets the help he needs because he seems like a good guy. I don't know him personally, uh, but regardless, I I think you hope for all human beings on the planet that they get the help they need. Um, And, you know, we'll we'll see what happens here uh, with now his, his fourth, you know, operating while intoxicating charge. Uh, Some of the charges may have been dropped in previous cases, um but uh this is the latest one, and that, like I said, is going down on Thursday. So we'll see what happens there. Wish the best for Darren Perry, but uh, you know, as far as the Packers calendar goes, that's that's it in the immediate f- foreseeable future here. Uh there's more coming up down the road, another regional combine this weekend before the big NFL combine next week. Uh so that's uh coming up uh down down the road just a little ways. But that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you everybody so much for joining us today. Thank you to Ross Uglum of Scott Scout.com for being our guest. My call to action, today's show is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar, looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Beer Rock Madison that spell b i e r o c k we're not open yet uh i know it you you probably hear me say this every episode and be like well when are they opening it believe me folks it takes a lot of work to to open any sort of business from scratch um so that's basically what i'm doing and that's why it's taking a long time so uh but thanks for your patience and thanks for giving us a follow on on social media as we try to get the word out ahead of time, because we want customers when we open the doors. So hope you'll be one of those. Thanks, folks, for listening to us on a Wednesday here. We'll be back again on Friday, the live edition of the show at 8.30 AM Central Time. Uh podcasted and on demand later in the day. That's every Monday, Wednesday, Friday here at CheeseheadTV.com. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caravu. I leave you today with a song called New Country Blues by the Emmett Nurshey Band on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go.